Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Dorkside Toys. At DorksideToys.com, you can get the latest Star Wars toys, as well as Marvel, G.I. Joe, The Walking Dead, and more. Run by toy fans, you can be assured your order will be given great attention and packed with care. Sign up to their social channels now for stock alerts, reviews, and toy and movie news. DorksideToys.com. You'd be a dork not to shop there. Welcome to Star Wars Action News, live at Star Wars Celebration Europe 2016. Hosted by Steve, the Ginger Prince, and Daryl. Be sure to check SWActionNews.com for photos of the convention and follow Star Wars Action News on Facebook and at SWActionNews on Twitter for updates and live video from the con. Their guests today are How to Speak Wookiee and How to Speak Droid illustrator Jake and Star Wars Fan Fun Day organizer, Neil Livesey. Greetings all, this is Steve the Ginger Prince, and I'm sat here at Celebration Europe with... Hello, it's Daryl, uh, one of the video enhancers, uh, Creature. It's Suzanne, dancing Ewok. And so we thought we'd do a little bit of first night recording, just so we bring you up to speed on how the first day of Celebration uh, Europe is gone. Um, so I'll work uh, to my right-hand side first. Uh, Daryl, do you want to tell us about your day one, uh, what you did, and perhaps also what you picked up? Sure. I uh, woke up very early, uh, about 6 a.m. to... Actually, it was about 5.30, so I could get to the convention center on time and line up to get the ticket in order to buy the Kylo Ren figure. Um, got there, and uh, there was about... 60, 75 people in line in front of me, was able to get the ticket to purchase the Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren later in the day. Um, a lot of people were queued up for the Rogue One line. That was definitely the most popular panel of the day. A lot of people see Mark Hamill as well. Uh, it was kind of an interesting situation with the, the wristband giveaway um, and the ticketing. Um, the con doesn't actually open up till 10 a.m., but you're able to queue up. Uh, and like I said, for the main big panels of the day, you get a wristband, and that kind of guarantees your seating inside of that venue to watch those panels. I'm guessing this might be a, a useful function that they use in the future for other celebrations. So maybe Orlando next year, you might be looking at this same sort of option unless they tweak it a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure, but it seemed to work out pretty well. Um, but other than that, I just went for the tickets. I was able to then go back to my hotel and kind of relax until the con opened. So uh, you did something we didn't. We had a very lazy get-up. Um, we didn't get into the con till 10, didn't queue up for any specific wristbands. Uh, our plan was just to walk the show floor today. So um, by the time we got through the, uh, the queuing system, there were no Kylo Ren postcards left. So we're going to have to try and do that tomorrow. Um, so t tell us a little bit about the Kylo Ren figure. What are your first impressions having picked it up? Open that lovely Velcro door. 
Tell us your first impressions. We're recording this too early. I have not actually opened the figure up yet. I know it's blasphemy, but uh, I did. they do have one nicely on display, so you're able to look at it. Uh, the little melted Vader head looks quite nice. I think that's what most people want it for, since they do have other Kylo Ren's out there already. Uh, it comes with the, the First Order banner as well. Uh, it's a very nice display box. Uh, the overall presentation, the, the art on the outside is great. Uh, it, it's a very nice piece. Um, and I have had a good look. I have had a, a good uh, a slobber over the, the, the Black Series window and the Kylo Ren figure. So it is something definitely that we're going to get up early tomorrow morning and, and make sure we acquire at least one of those. And I think you're right. It is the shiny uh, Vader helmet that seems to be the, 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 the most unique, the best part of, of the piece. I'm not too sure about his, um, his First Order banner. It does look a bit like a, a sales banner that you see people pop up at conventions. Um, so yeah, we we that's definitely something on our radar tomorrow. But we did manage to make some purchases uh, in the time that we spent on the con floor today. Um, so I'll actually I'll, I'll just ask Suzanne. Suzanne, what did you pick up today? I bought um, an Ewok Wicket purse. Um, well, it's a bag actually. It's a lounge fly. I got the purse off Stephen for my anniversary, so I really liked the bag, so I picked up the bag. And how much did that set you back? Fifty pounds, and it's not bad actually. And it seems to be one of the three. I'm, I'm just dreading when the third part of the set comes. I, I knew I was starting something buying that little little wicket purse, um, which I believe I think uh, Daryl was saying Marjorie might have recently bought for Arnie the little wicket purse. But yeah, this is the this is the handbag, and there is a a, a rucksack as well, which is seven, 70 quid. So was the- I don't need the rucksack. It's okay. So oh, rucksack for the Americans is a gym bag. Yes, if if you've not realised it, Daryl is serving a highly useful purpose this weekend. He is our universal translator. He is the the three PO of my life this weekend. He speaks Batchy, uh, American to English, lots of different languages. Um, so, Suzanne, uh, I believe this wasn't the only Ewok themed item you picked up today. No, I bought the uh, plush. Uh, Ewoks in a basket. There was a mum, a dad, mum had a little baby one and then there was a younger one. Actually Stephen bought that for me and that was £30. And this was the exclusive at the Toys booth. Um, To be honest, I say booth, it just seemed to be two young girls on the corner of a booth hawking these and there seemed to be lots of these available. Um, they, they didn't. I know they're only a thousand pieces, but they didn't seem to be in short supply. Now, when I first saw the pictures, I thought these didn't look anywhere near as good as the ones that were on sale in the celebration store. But I was pleasantly surprised. For thirty quid, they're not. They're not that bad. They, they've got a quite a unique design. Um, like Suzanne said, it, it's it's mother, it's father, it's it's child. But the baby's sort of attached to mummy in like a holding pose, um, and it, it's quite a cute little item. It's completely different to the one though, so I'm glad that we picked it up. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a unique item. Um, so Suzanne obviously was focused on, on Ewoks. We know that, uh, Daryl, you picked up the Kylo Ren figure. Was there anything else you managed to pick up today? I did end up making a major purchase late in the day when I picked up a Brazilian uh, kind of bootleg model trim Emperor. Uh, it's a lead-based figure that they had uh, back in the 80s in Brazil before Glasslight, Glasslight, however you say it, took over the license. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty nice figure, and I've been looking for it for a while. And I had one here, and I saw it early in the day. Finally went back later and 
pulled the pulled the trigger and bought that. And, and this may just be the beer affecting my concentration, but did you say which figure that was and, and where you got it from? Uh, it is the Emperor figure from Model Trim. It is uh, just at a, a guy's booth that I've kind of talked to online before. He he has a lot of the Model Trims himself and kind of knows what to look for and everything. And so it's just kind of over by the Celebration store. Uh, so I purchased that. I did also buy a, uh, a couple of the blind package pin sets and picked those up. Uh, if you went to Celebration Anaheim, they were kind of the little uh, vintage figure kind of uh, pieces here at uh, Celebration in London. They are based off the emojis, uh, little head characters. I was able to get several that some friends were looking for. Zoel is picking up an Emperor Palpatine for myself. Still looking for the Bosque. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if there's any others out there I really want. Uh, I know a lot of other people like them. Uh, and in fact, straight after this podcast, I'm going to give Daryl a big wet kiss because he's found, he has found me the Akbar, which um, I'm sure I wouldn't have had the patience to, to blind bag myself. Me too, because he got me the wicket. Um, so yeah, and I've I've definitely seen a, a, a new side to Daryl this weekend with his his pin and patch trading. He is a whirlwind, a whirlwind of activity at times. Um, so so God, that's news to me. You find out all these things when you you record this late on. Um, news to me that he made such a, a major purchase towards the end of the day. Um, I, I haven't been uh, as brave today. No major purchases, although there are some. I've got to admit there are some pretty sweet stands. There are some vendors who've got some awesome uh, vintage stuff, just wall to wall vintage as well. So maybe that's a bit more of an exploration for me on on the Sunday afternoon of the con. Um, but no, I played it a bit safer. I got the um, the exclusive Insider magazine, which was uh, seven quid a pop, but I only picked up one of those. I went for, uh, and I did ask on, on Twitter what people thought, and I went with the, the, the popular opinion, the Kylo Ren. Uh, looks a better cover than the, the, the Daily, Daisy Ridley Ray cover. Um, I also picked up a uh, an exclusive set of top cards, um, which are eight larger sized they're the larger force attacks cards blown up um quite really quite nice uh, uh images pictures on these cards and they're in like a a special coffin type box with an, a, an exclusive number inside i think i got set 700 and something out of the one one and a half thousand that are available um uh, and so that, yeah that was quite a nice pickup um, I'm struggling to think. If they, oh well, no, I tell you, t- tell a lie and close one eye. I did pick up another couple of things. Um, I picked up two uh, two action figures. I have not seen an Uncar plot live till today, so I managed to pick up an Uncar plot, and it was reasonable c- considering the markup on some figures. I, I think I paid ten ninety nine for the Uncar plot, which, which isn't bad. And then thanks to uh, Justin, that's Marvelicious Toys, Justin, I have taken my uh, Akbar figure, my Force Awakens Akbar figure, and I've recently entombed him back in uh, a coffin because I've stuck him onto one of Justin's uh, custom cards. So I knew this weekend I had to pick up another Akbar so that I could open him because I want a loose Akbar as well as the, the cool uh, custom carded Akbar that, that Justin's uh, provided me with. So uh, yeah, I picked that up as well. I was really disappointed. Um, I'm sure I've talked about it. I'm sure I've done a segment on the show before about my love for Top Trumps. Top Trumps is a um, a statistic-based card game that was massive when I was a kid uh, in the UK in the, the 70s and the 80s. And they've done lots of Star Wars sets. And I'd heard that there was a new Force Awakens set that I've not got out. 
So I, I went to their booth looking to pick that up today and uh, really disappointed to be told that it wasn't out for a couple of days. Now, why, why bring out uh, a pack of top trumps in a couple of days when you're actually at the con now? I was told that the only way I was going to be able to pick up this pack was to actually play their top trumps expert and beta. And uh, even though I love the game, I'm not actually that good at it. So um, I, I didn't take her on. And I was disappointed not to be able to pick up that top trumps pack. Um, anything else, Daryl, that you picked up today, no matter how small? Uh, like you said, I've done a lot of trading as well, uh, pin trading as well as doing my first patch. Uh, also, I'll let you know that Steve has one of the best personal patches here at the con. It's a beautiful piece done uh, by one of his friends, kind of did the artwork and stuff, and, and he put it on a, a card back, and it's, it's a wonderful piece. Uh, high acclaim to him uh, but trading with a lot of the collecting clubs that way as well as the pinbacks and everything so that's a good great way to socialize with people that you haven't met uh, met a couple people from Chicago and stuff that were over here and they were kind of new to it and uh, it's a great way to meet those people and kind of spread your your fandom to them um, trying to think I don't really think I bought too much else uh, other I bought some stuff for people back home. Did a lot of shopping for them. I did make it into the store last night. Uh, like I said, I bought some of the blind boxed uh, pins as well as they've got a nice uh, can opener that's a magnet with the gonk droid on it. Uh, but uh, I was kind of, kind of somewhat disappointed in the store. There's no patches. There's no poster. There's a lot of stuff that we've come to be accustomed to in the Celebration Store that they just didn't make this year. Uh, their main point of selling is a bunch of T-shirts. Yeah, I can't, I can't really add to that other than what I've seen online because we've not braved the Celebration Store today. The best, the best it's been has been a 90-minute queue time, and I'm afraid I'm just not prepared. You know, I do not need another Star Wars T-shirt. I don't think any of us around this table do. Um, so I'd like another Star Wars t-shirt. There's a, there's a really nice um, design that I'm calling Brexit Wing, which is uh, an X-Wing that's part of the Union Jack. So, yeah, I could, I could pick that up, but I'm not going to bust a gut to do so. Um, so, yeah, we'll, again, perhaps we'll see if we can get in there on the last day of the con and see what's left. But uh, Daryl's putting it right. There isn't really anything that's outstanding. It. Um, there's a, a plosh loft cat, whatever that is. I don't even... Is that Rebels? Is that uh, Clone Wars? I have no idea. Um, so, yeah, so there's some stuff like that, but it, it, it's not caught my eye at all. So, um, uh, Daryl's working uh, the collecting track this con. Um, so, uh, you got in last night through your sort of crew privileges and... Um, uh, it, it really isn't worth the 90 minute queue time I don't think so we'll have to see if that queue time dies down to see whether we actually get in there um, just a just a, a, a little question about how you find found the show floor um, it, at the Excel if you've not been to the Excel convention centre before it's different than some uh, convention centres in that it, it splits the show floor into two large halves rather than it being all in one area uh, it splits it into a north side and a south side that's separated by a, a, quite a large boulevard um, and I've found it just really difficult remembering 
which side I've seen stuff on. So we've done a circuit of both, and then we sort of mentally put away, I want to buy that, I want to buy that, I want to relook at that. And I've just found it very difficult uh, to sort of remember and, and, and pinpoint where things are. The other interesting thing about these setup is they don't really have those rooms on other floors that we're used to in, in the States, where you have the collecting track up on the second floor or something, and over here, and you've got the R2 builders over here, and different things like that. They have, except for the actual main stage, all of the stages are kind of built with faux walls on the actual show floor. It's basically rooms within rooms. Um, so you've got these two large spaces, and then there's lots of, uh, as Daryl says, faux walls uh, creating rooms within rooms. So the collecting track is within one of these large spaces. The um, the one four stage from which we'll be podcasting tomorrow, um, that's within uh, one of these spaces. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely a different layout to both Essen was Essen was on a couple of levels, and definitely the the Orlando cons. I, I wasn't at Anaheim, so I can't compare. Um, but definitely the, the Orlando cons. It, it was quite different to that. Um, and, I, and I've not been on the celebration stage or any of the larger stages to sort of comment what their organisation is yet. We have pretty much spent the day um, walking and pacing the, uh, the, the the two large spaces, the two large show floors, and then the boulevard in between. And the boulevard actually works as quite a, a great place for meeting people and, like Daryl says, trading uh, the patches and the pins. I fear I've opened uh, a sort of gateway to hell creating my own patch this time because I've sort of uh, stopped to give uh, quite dear friends copies of my patch and all of a sudden uh, 17 uh, Americans from Chicago have, have stepped out of the, the shadows and ambushed me and tried to force various items on me to, to swap with my patch and I, I've made sort of a limited run and I, I'm thinking shall I trade, shan't I trade, what do I do it's, it's really put an extra little bit of stress in my day it's the Norwich guys and the French guys that you really got to watch out for. The, 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 the Norwich guys are always going to be a bit of a worry. But no, seriously, I met some, uh, I think they said Chicago. It, it might have been Ohio, I don't know. But there were some quite aggressive patch negotiators that sort of doorstepped us. And, you know, it, we were having a conversation, like I say, with a, a dear friend. And they just booted right in. And it's like, what have you got? What can I swap? Can I give you this one? Can I give you this one? Etc. So it is a bit of a, a doorway to hell. But... Um, I know that Daryl sort of commended my patch, but the, the, the patch that uh, uh, Daryl's uh, done is absolutely awesome. I'm getting a lot of love for the, the sort of Palatoy ad theme patch that, that we're giving away between myself, Suzanne and Daryl. Yeah, and we really want to point out that Suzanne is kind of taking the proxy place of Phil. Uh, he's been on the show several times. He was supposed to be our other patch uh, giveaway he had the stormtrooper part just some circumstances at the last minute and kind of made it so he couldn't come down so phil we miss you and we're drinking a pint for you but uh your patch is going quite well I, i've got to be honest i'm having uh, philip cogan withdrawal symptoms at about five o'clock today i had to go and find a scottish person just so that i felt at home and, and could hear his accent um so yeah the other feature of being on the boulevard is that you uh, as my friend Craig today said, you you get to sort of drink in the sights of the con, and there has been some um, fairly awesome cosplay I think today. So uh, let's just have a quick chat about uh, perhaps what's the, the 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 best two or three cosplays you've seen. I'll, I'll go to Suzanne first. The best has to be Salacious Crumb. Absolutely awesome. Never seen anybody cosplay as that before. Never. This is a guy probably about six foot in height, and he's in a sort of a, a latex, full-size, salacious crumb uh, costume. And it is possibly, 
the creepiest thing that I've seen um, since the child catcher in... Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's the one. It's possibly the the creepiest thing that I've seen since um, that in, that incarnation. Um, so yeah, the the crumb was a, a definite standout. Anything else that catch your eye? It's also um, a man, woman, husband, wife. Not sure. He's dressed as Leia. She's dressed as Han. That was quite interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a, a gender gender swap situation, um, and he was dressed as a New Hope Leia uh, in the you know the full white gown, um, and he had a beard, which is a, an interesting choice if you're a bloke cos- going to cosplay as Leia. Um, Daryl, what have you seen sort of cosplay wise? Uh, I did see that gentleman dressed as Salacious Crumb. Actually, I saw him trying to get into the hotel uh, spinning door, uh, which did not work in his favor. Uh, he had to go around and, and go through the regular doorway, so that was quite amusing. Um, there was a nice um, squid head Jedi uh, that we saw early on. Uh, other than that, um, I haven't seen too much around as the cosplay. There's a lot of there's a ton of rays, uh, a lot of. Uh, you know, BB-8 people that, that kind of do a, a mix of BB-8 in a different way. I saw a lady in like a BB-8 kimono and just general things like that. So, like I said, just a lot of Jedi. I, I, to be honest, I think the big thing is Kylo Ren. I know you say you've seen a lot of uh, a lot of Ray, but there are a ton of Kylo Rens, and and it's quite a um, a mixed gender cosplay. And there's as many girls uh, Kylo Renning as there are there are boys. Um, I think my favourite, um, and I did like the the Darth Sushi Sushi the Squidhead um, dressed as a Dark Lord, but I think I liked. I, I don't know if you saw this, Daryl. There was a, a guy playing the Crimson Corsair, um, the yes. Sidan. Uh, is he Sidan Ithano? Yeah, from the Force Awakens. Can you know the guy, the the sort of red shiny armor guy, and it, it was uh, it was a, a really quality costume, um, uh, looked quite good. So yeah, there, there are some like that who, who've done a, uh, you know a decent job with the Force Awakens costuming. Um, I'm hoping we'll get a, a sort of another lift tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a busy day. I've, I've talked to some people in the know today, and they're saying that tomorrow is absolutely rammed. Um, it's been busy today. God, has it been busy? But I hear we're expecting sort of 35,000 tomorrow. Yeah, not only did they sell out the three-day badges very early on in this con, but then when they re-released some more badges just as individual day, the Saturday is the only day that sold out. So I, can, I am expecting a huge crowd tomorrow. And it, like I say, it has been busy today. I don't think Sundays, I don't think the individual badges for Sunday are sold out, so maybe that will be the quiet day of the con. Okay, so we've sort of covered um, what we've bought, what we've seen on the, um, the, the show floor, etc., um, we have done a few other things during the day. Um, let's start uh, by talking about uh, uh, an interesting experience we had with a, a, a new player in the, the, the Star Wars um, collecting universe, if you like. Um, this was a company who uh, invited us by email to come and attend their, um, I'd call it a booth, but it's not a booth. They've probably got one of the largest spaces um, on the entire convention floor. I, I, I struggle to remember the statistic, but it was something like, uh, over over uh, 800,000 cubic feet of space that they've got. Uh, and it's a company called Propel who are basically making um, quadcopters. So these are like remote control flying drones, if you can picture them, with four helicopter-type split spinning blades within a circle. And um, I'm hoping Daryl can remember exactly what vehicles they were. I think there were four or six different vehicles. Yes, they had the Millennium Falcon, the X-Wing, the TIE Fighter, and the Speeder Bike. 
And yeah, they're a, they're a small drone. The actual convention space that we were in, I would equate it to about uh, the first room where they had the uh, kind of Death Star and trench run. It was about the size of a basketball court. Uh, and you kind of stood along the sides with some netting so that if they got out of control, they had professional drivers driving them, but just in case they got out of control, they had some netting there to kind of protect the people. Uh, and you could go down either side, and then the second room was based on indoor. It was a bit smaller, uh, probably about half the size of a basketball court, and then kind of an in area where you had the actual product that you could kind of see in the box. And um, like Daryl says, there were, there were sort of nerds in black shirts uh, flying these quadcopters around and they, they, what perhaps six of the six of these different uh, copters uh, in on the trench run there were x-wings and perhaps the falcon was in there as well and Probably pr- the, tie the tie fighter maybe yeah um and they, these were being flown around and they'd fly them at high speed down the trenches and then they'd come and hover, hover near you so you could um see what what they look like individually in flight um, but by f- by far the better area for me was the speeder bikes. They'd they'd basically covered this room in a proper dirt floor with actual leaves. They got actual sort of logs and branches lying around, um, and it, if you sort of threw yourself into it enough, you could almost feel like you were an indoor. And they had a, re- a really loud sound system playing the, the sounds of the speeder bikes from indoor uh, and the sort of uh, Ewok calls in the the distance. You could sort of lose yourself in there for five minutes and and, and watch these things being flown around now we we sort of talked amongst ourselves a little bit whilst we were whilst we were watching that and i was a little bit disappointed by how often they appeared to uh, sort of crap out and and just fall out of the sky yeah if they go down and touch the ground at all they are done um they they can be mended and repaired but you are i mean it's not something that'll kind of hit a soft spot and then take back off it is definitely even with the professionals going if they landed in in a area of leaves on indoor or whatever it was it was lights out for it and that's professionals i mean i i can imagine i can only imagine what i would do to one of these machines and you know i don't know if i'd i could trust myself i mean on actually on the show floor they were flying you know the cheaper drones i don't know who who makes them but they're sort of 30 40 quid um models they were flying those around and i trust myself with one of those but not one of these babies yeah, I know in the States, and I don't know if they're the same ones here, but they're air hogs is what those are usually are. When we actually moved out of the flying areas into, as Daryl said, the sort of official show area, th- these things aren't for sale yet. I'm just looking at the leaflet, actually. It, it says that you can, as a celebration attendee, you can register for the product now, and they're being reserved on a first reserve, first process basis. And the actual packaging of these was something to behold. It really was neat packaging. They claimed that each starship is each quadcopter is hand painted. Why you'd hand paint something that you're then going to waz around at forty, fifty miles an hour and crash into things? I don't know. Each one is numbered. Each one is get this is wax sealed in an amazing collectible gift box and it is an amazing box there's sort of a a sloped covered base that contains obviously the remote control and and those sorts of things you don't want to see and then there's a a slanted slide where the quadcopter is sort of fixed into place in a clear top half of the box the bottom half isn't clear, the top half is and it's got sort of a Death Star design and and a bit of a light shining through um, and then it's got another lid that sort of fits over the top and the lid has, has got sort of a, a raised relief 
of whatever the vehicle is on the outside and it looks like a really expensive expensive item and and it, and it is I'll tell you the I'll tell you the price in a minute but for such an expensive item and for such beautiful packaging and god it is beautiful um what, you, why why do that with something that you as I say you're going to waz around at 40 50 miles an hour and most likely going to break and have to find someone to fix it if you're not mechanically minded um, so let's go to the the, the price then. Um, I, I, I asked Daryl when we looked at these, I said, how much, Daryl, would you pay for one of these? And he said... Well, going off the air hogs that we mentioned earlier, I know they usually go for, like you said, about $50 area maybe, maybe a little bit higher for some others, and they've got some lower price ones as well. But my total guess for these was probably about 125, 150 uh, pound, so probably about 150 to maybe 200 in US dollars. And we're not talking dollars on this podcast because we are in my country. We will talk pounds for the duration, please, Daryl. Um, yeah, and he, he was he was very misguided in that cost estimation. Um, the Millennium Falcon, we were told, was going to be £300. And all the other vehicles were going to be 250 Now, that for me is just big money for something that, that could break so easily. And um, i got to be honest, if I had to purchase one of these, I would go for the speeder bike. I, I, I was pretty in love with those speeder bikes. Like You could probably tell I was pretty lost in that indoor scene. And I, I, I'd perhaps consider buying one of these if it was 40, 50 quid. But there's no way on God's earth I would ever spend 250 for, for something like that. Uh, Suzanne, what were your opinion of these? They were okay, but I wasn't that interested in them, really. It was a nice opportunity to, to go in and watch these, and it did sort of break up the, the celebration experience that we'd had up until that point. Um, okay, then, uh, let's talk about the collecting track. We are, after all, a, a collecting podcast. Um, I know Daryl's worked uh, some of the collecting track today, so let's get his point of view on, on how, it, how that's gone, and then I'll talk specifically about one of the panels that I've been to. Yeah, the collecting track is still kind of set up the same way. Um, you know, we have a, a smaller room that everyone comes into. Uh, we had uh, four panels today. Uh, we have four panels every day, the three days of the, the con. We are giving away medallions this year instead of the Star Tots. Uh, they're based on vehicles from the uh, vintage line. Um, today uh, we had the Millennium Falcon, the Land Speeder, the um, Snow Speeder, and the Twin, twin Pod Cloud Car. So those were nice uh, little handouts. Um, the the panels uh, are put on by fans of the, you know, collectors and fans of the trilogy. Uh, I don't just say the trilogy, but I should say, you know, seven films now and all the Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff. But they do mainly focus towards the vintage aspect. Um, they had a couple that they've had done before, such as the Coining the Galaxy one, where they talk about mainly the, the Power of the Force coins and uh, a lot of uh, talk about about the crazy prices that are going on now in Star Wars vintage collecting. And I believe that was one of the panels that you attended. Yeah, the panel I attended, well, myself and Suzanne attended, was the one that they gave away the Millennium Falcon coin for. And we were really pleased about that. We, we like that, although I'm disappointed I've missed out on the cloud car coin. But uh, yeah, it was entitled Navigating Collecting in a Bull Market. And it was basically looking at the idea of are we paying too much for our collectibles currently and is this a market situation that's going to change soon now for the life of me again daryl might help me here for the life of me i can't remember the gentleman's name jared cobb maybe um it was uh, he has his own web website uh, and again for the life of me i can't remember what that's called maybe something tracker maybe something price tracker or 
But basically, this guy seems like he's got some sort of business or economics degree. And what he's done is he's... Um, His name was Jared Cope. Jared Cope. We were, not, we were not too far away there. And yeah, he's, like I say, he's basically got some sort of business or economics degree. And he has a website that tracks completed sales on eBay and a number of other sites. And he, uh, in doing so, he basically uh, builds up a database of how the price of figures, um, actual sales, not just what people are selling them for, how the price of figures changes over time. And he's got data now for about four years. And his conclusions were, I mean, he, he only gave us some of it. In the 45 minutes, he could only give us some information. But he basically looked at um, the first 12 figures, the last 17 figures, some examples of particularly usually high price figures like Yak Face. You know, those sorts of key examples, the Cloth Cape Jawa um, versus the Vinyl Cape Jawa. Uh, And he's basically looked at the the price of these over the last four years and seen how how these has changed. And his conclusion is basically, yes, we are in a bit of a bull market. The cost of figures has gone up considerably um, in the last in the last year and some of that's attributed to the force awakens and the resurgence of star wars fandom um but yeah it was a really interesting uh, panel and uh, as i say we got the millennium falcon coin at the end which was uh, a, a nice surprise at the end okay so that um wraps up my day one anything that you want to add daryl yeah we still uh, we were not either of us able to uh, enter the Rogue One panel. Uh, there was a trailer shown. I'm not sure if they're going to... They're talking about it not being released online, but I think you could live stream it uh, and watch it there. Um, other panels uh, were Mark Hamill today. I think Carrie Fisher has one on Sunday. Uh, not sure how many of these we're going to hit or miss. Um, they do have the Rogue One uh costumes and props from that that's something we'll probably try to get in at some point in time um the art show is going strong i saw a lot of people in there looking at those prints and everything uh tattoo pavilion's still there they'll probably have that at the next celebration as well uh overall a a pretty good day one uh got most of my shopping done and we'll see where we go from there to be honest, I don't know how I forgot the, the, the sort of Rogue One panel. Perhaps it is the beer I'm drinking. But, um, yeah, I talked to, uh, met up with a number of friends after the Rogue One panel. We actually watched it on, a, on, a, on the live stream, um, and they cut, cut it just before the um, trailer aired. So we've not seen the trailer that only the people in the auditorium seen. Um, we saw the, um, the the. the the behind-the-scenes footage clip that all of you will have seen if you've watched it now on the live stream or if it's cropped up on YouTube. Um, but yeah, the people I talked to who were in there and saw the trailer um, said that it was short. They estimated it, it was a 60-second trailer. Um, they said it was no big deal, that a lot of it was footage that we've already seen, not much new stuff. And they said the only big reveal was the reveal of Vader at the end, and it wasn't even a full reveal. It was sort of uh, um, sh- shoulders and breathing, and that's about it. So to be honest, they sounded a little bit disappointed with it. Um, I think it actually looks awesome. The the, the behind-the-scenes clip for me uh, really turned me on. I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I think the actual reveal within the trailer was a little di- bit disappointing. Um, the people who did attend that panel did get a nice freebie. They all got a Rogue One poster. Um, I'm sure you've seen the image by now. It's sort of the beach with the Death Star behind, and um, it's a cracking image, and, and what, a, what a free gift to take away with them. Um, so, yeah, we sort of missed out on that. Uh, I know Daryl just mentioned the, the Mark Hamill panel, 
and what has really surprised us and we were having a chat about why this might be was that we were certain Warwick Davis was down to do the celebration stage that he was down to be the main host and um, people have confirmed for me that he wasn't on the Mark Hamill panel at all that Hamill basically hosted himself no Warwick Davis and he was very conspicuous for, uh, conspicuously absent from the Rogue One panel as well they drafted in Gwendolyn Christie who in my opinion did an awful job um, and to be honest someone who was in the Mark Hamill panel said Mark Hamill did a poor job they'd seen him before and said he wasn't anywhere near as lively or funny and I put that down to a lack of a, a proper host uh, Warwick does a superb job um, he, he is here at the con because he nearly ran, ran me over on a segue uh, earlier today but um, why he's not doing the stage that they said he was doing or at least for those two panels I have no idea but yeah a lot to look forward to on day two I think we'll put uh, put this uh, recording to a close and the next time you'll hear from us we'll be live on the One Force stage um, representing Star Wars Action News with our friends from the Collectors cast so we will look forward to speaking to you then Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Jedi News Presents. Uh, this, is, this is the One Force stage. I'm James Burns, and joining me from Star Wars Action News is Steve. Greetings, everyone. I am Steve the Ginger Prince, and I'm joined also by... Hello, this is Daryl, uh, creature on the forums, if you follow us, uh, over from the States. Hello. Is that working? Yeah, yeah. Hello, I'm Jake. Um, I'm an illustrator, but I've done a lot of Star Wars work for Lucasfilm, so I, I technically draw Star Wars. Morning. <laughs> so this is this is a, a, a predominantly a collecting podcast. Uh, we both do different types of uh, Star Wars collecting shows. Um, so tell us a little bit about Star Wars Action News. Well, Star Wars Action News is one of the longest-serving podcasts in the Star Wars community. It began in 2005 by a husband and wife team in Springfield, Illinois, and 11 years later, uh, we've got a team of 20 or so people now, uh, both on and off air staff and we cover collecting on a global level. Uh, we cover modern, we cover vintage, we cover international, we cover conventions, and our motto really is uh, we want to help the collector collect better. And here at Star Wars Collector's Cast, we've been going for about five years now. Uh, we started out back in 2010 at Star Wars Celebration, and um, really, really cool. And uh, pretty much from the early days, we were joined each and every episode by the one and only Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. And uh, Steve, hopefully, is, uh, will be joining us any second. So uh, Steve's come over from Rancho and uh, is here with us, which is great. And we talk about all things collectible. We interview all, all our friends from Mattel, Sideshow, Hasbro, etc., etc., and generally have a great time. We're great friends with uh, Arnie and Marjorie and Steve and everyone from uh, Star Wars Action News. And I like to think that the collecting community, a lot of people think that you know we're all stabbing each other in the back, but we all really, really get along well. We're really good friends, yeah, yeah. The Jedi News uh, folk are, are great, great people. Um, I'll talk for just a, a moment about my collecting focus, and then maybe, uh, lads, we can share our own collecting foci. Uh, I like to consider myself one of the biggest Admiral Akbar collectors in, in, in the UK, possibly the world, God knows. Um, so yeah, I've had a, an at-bar collecting focus for quite a time now. Uh, I'm also a massive three and three-quarter inch uh, action figure collector. Uh, if you've not seen pictures of my action figure cabinets, do ask me sometime because they are uh, the pride and joy of my collection. 
What about you, Daryl? I'm an emperor-focused collector. I do a lot of vintage collecting as well. Uh, I try and get uh, used boxes because I kept my childhood collection, and that's kind of what I still have is those boxes that are open and you know banged up with some duct tape holding some parts on and stuff. So I still kind of like to collect those. And uh, other than that, uh, do a lot of the the funky kind of squash look, uh, hybrid metal, uh, vinyl collectible dolls from Sideshow and things like that. And I sort of collect Star Wars. No, um, I focus on Hasbro, Lego, and uh, various bits and pieces. One of my passions is the Shadow Trooper, or the Black Hole Trooper that was introduced in 1978. And um, that's, I don't know, it, the comic really, really grabbed me uh, back then. And uh, that's one of my favorites. What about you, Jake? Um, I was talking to a guy. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello. I was talking to a guy yesterday who was a collector just outside, and I said, I'm not really a collector, but I've got a collection, if that makes sense. So I know a lot of you guys are like hardcore about you've got every vintage figure. I've got a lot of vintage stuff from when I was a kid. So I was five when Star Wars came out. So I've still got Palitoy Land Speeders in boxes and True Transport. I've got a lot of Paper Death Star. I've got all that stuff, but that's just because we didn't throw it out. Yeah. And then over the years, some of the bits and bobs have turned up. So mainly it's vintage, the, the, the Kenner 12s, and a lot of Japanese stuff. I just kind of, I'm into the Japanese aesthetic, so Kubricks. And the Japanese have been really lovely. You say you like Kubricks in Japanese, this, you suddenly get a bag delivered. Yeah. So it's, it's like I've not really spent a lot of money on my collection. It's, it's sort of come to me. And then because of the Star Wars gig, you, you do trades. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of Stormtroopers, vintage stuff, some R2-D2 stuff. Japanese and 70s, that's, that's how I describe mine. So I'm delighted that we're joined by the one and only Steve Sandsweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. Now, Steve doesn't have a focus. Um, he, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. He just collects Star Trek. Uh, uh, sorry. St- <laughs> no, you're right. I don't, is, is that you're right. I, I don't have a, uh, a focus except for Star Wars. Um, I used to have the world's largest E.T. collection. Then again, I had the world's only E.T. collection. So, but I started collecting Star Wars at the very beginning. I was at a, a slightly older age uh, level than uh, most collectors, and I had grown up loving science fiction. Star Wars came out. Uh, I saw it two weeks before it opened on the back lot of 20th Century Fox. I was blown away, and Star Wars started to push out my other collection of rockets and robots and things like that and I just loved everything so I collected everything now you can't have everything you can call yourself a completist but that in today's terms really means you like most everything that's out there I like the kitschy stuff but my favorite thing has been and the thing that I have really gone after in the last 10 to 12 years is art and fan-made objects. And um, a couple of pieces by Jake in the collection and uh, just some really cool stuff that just shows how Star Wars fans have integrated Star Wars into their life and have made everything from lightsabers when they were five years old with their dad to to folk art uh, ad-ads because somebody's dad couldn't afford one in 1980 and went into the wood shop and made that and it really has become a piece of folk art 
Uh, so the unusual stuff really gets me excited. I've got some props um, and, and prototypes and molds, but it's the entirety of the collection and mainly it's the stories behind the items and how they were obtained. And that's what we do at Rancho Obi-Wan when we do three plus hour tours. It's talking about the items and showing them and explaining them. So talking about some uh, exciting new items, um, I don't know whether you've seen this yet, Steve, and uh, I don't know whether you guys have seen this, but there, there is an amazing new innovation here, and they've taken up pretty much two halls over the way, and I think these items are going to propel collecting to a whole new level. Yeah. So uh, let's welcome on stage the guys from Propel and Bastion, and um, they've got these amazing new RC collectibles. Come on up, guys. Hello. Hi, so uh, tell us about, well, introduce yourself and tell us about these amazing new RC So um, I'm the CEO and founder of uh, Propel RC and um, spent several years developing very high quality flying machines, flying toys and drones. And uh, I always fantasized about the chance to take Star Wars ships and actually bring them to life. And I got my chance because we wound up hiring an executive who was a former uh, Disney professional. And uh, we just wanted to create something magical, so we worked really hard and created this labor of love. This is the collector's packaging. It's okay to open it? Yeah, of course, go, go for it. I've seen this, and I was blown away. Did you take the top off? Yep, you ready? This is just the box, everyone. This is the box. Put the lid back on. Put the lid back on. And then you take it off again. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for How passage to Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast. The box will continue to play uh, famous soundtracks from the from the trilogy. Um, that everybody here would obviously recognize. So, so yeah, so, so the box in itself is a, is a high-end collectible, and I think everybody will, uh, will, will love the box. Some amazing detail on the box. So we wanted to, uh, we wanted to address the true collector and uh, really bring magic to the product, and the, the idea was, could we build a scale model that would be a beautiful scale model, that would have detail, that would be hand-painted, and actually make it perform, which, some, which has never been done before. And um, we worked on a technology that we filed several patents on called reverse propulsion. And I know this doesn't look like it flies, but it actually flies. It flies um, at a top speed of 40 kilometers per hour, and it shoots lasers. And there is an entire series of these, of these um, we call them quadcopters. Uh, you have the Millennium Falcon, uh, TIE Advanced, um, the uh, X-Wing, of course, and we have a speed bike because it's just so much fun to see a speed bike whizzing around. Um, 25 people can simultaneously laser battle, and um, when you get hit, your controller vibrates. When you hit somebody else, you get notified on an app, on an iPhone, and uh, it's just a ton of fun. 
the other thing that's really what's really amazing about this is that um, we wanted to bring that magic into the product. So there are some secrets in the packaging that I'm not going to talk about here today, um, but I can talk a little bit about it. Not only does it light up and play music and play soundtracks, um, each box is wax sealed. Um, you have to break the wax to open it. There is a pendant inside, and that pendant will cause a uh, serial code to magically light up on the, on the hole underneath. Um, so he uses a technology from uh, scientists of Prince at Princeton Laboratories who uh, developed uh, charged crystal particle technologies, which are used in, in uh, inks that go into currencies and stuff like that. So really microscopic crystals read the frequency of the pendant and magically materialize on the bottom of the, of the ship. So now, lots of fun. Now, people can actually see these things fly here That's right. this weekend for the first time ever. Yeah, this product is not launched yet. Um, it's actually supposed to launch, it's actually going to launch uh, in fourth quarter this year. Um, but I, being a huge Star Wars fan, wanted something for my colleagues and fans. And uh, I wanted you guys to have something here at Celebration. So it's not officially launched. This is an official preview of the line. And we have something called the Propel Experience Center where you can go through over a million cubic air, airspace of these drones flying around. Oh, quadrocopters, excuse me. <laughs> and um, there's a whole show there. And then at the end of the show, there's an experience center where you can actually get up and uh, get personal. And if you wait just a moment, I think we have somebody who's going to bring one over here and uh, put it in the air for you guys. Wow. I actually, I actually went to the exhibit yesterday, um, both myself and Daryl did, and it was a really, really great experience. Um, for me, the speeder bikes are just awesome. But what they've done is they've decked out this room uh, with sort of dirt and leaves on the floor and uh, a big log. It's actually like being in Endor. Uh, and and the, they've got professional pilots uh, flying these speeder bikes around, and it is absolutely awesome. Can I say that in terms of not stunts, but statements at Star Wars Celebration, where, for example, last year, for those people that were at Anaheim, and uh, EA Games put on that amazing Battlefront Center, I don't know how many people were there for that. The statement that these guys have put on takes that and ups it to a whole new level. I was absolutely gobsmacked. We've got a video on the Jedi News Facebook feed of some of these things flying around. You need to go and see it. I, th I believe you can also reserve your spot in the queue to buy these now as well. Yeah, so for Celebration fans, um, what we're doing is we're letting you reserve the early numbered edition. So we, we think it's going to be a huge success. Um, but just you guys here at the show can reserve. There's no obligation to buy, but you own the number. So it locks it in. And then um, you just put your email address in. You choose it. The system chronologically keeps track of the time that you reserved yours. And then you'll get little emails from the company on the making of process of, of the product. So you'll see the, the tooling being cut, the ejection being done. And then when first production comes out, we send you an email and we say, okay, yours is ready. And do you want to purchase it or not? So there's no, you don't have to put in any money. You're really just reserving the, the space and you'll control that number. So celebration fans, early numbered editions, go check it out. Watch this. This is unbelievable lights. I mean, it's just incredible, incredible. 
And the great thing, a lot of people were worried with something like this, that if they break it or it, you know, they damage it, in the first year, Propel will send you a replacement or fix it. So you're guaranteed to have this product working for 12 months. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Jack. Come see the rest of them at the uh, at the Propel Experience Center. Thank you very, very much for bringing that along. Thank you. Thanks. Come so, by and check it out. But we'll come, we'll come and, and bring it over to you. Yeah. So, who, who thinks that's pretty cool? Yeah? Um, they're going to be available September 30th, 30th officially. They start at uh, £199 to £299. Uh, but as I said, you've got that guarantee. If you drop it, you smash it, they will replace it for you. So, pretty cool. That's two hundred and ninety-nine, not two pound ninety-nine. I had my fingers crossed, but sorry, Steve. What do you think of that? Uh, I'm going over there and putting my name down. <laughs> Very cool. It has a really solid feel to it. My my problem with a lot of the early RCs is that they're very lightweight and very easy to break. And this this had a real good solid feel to it. And you could tell the way it was flying that those propellers are pretty, uh, pretty strong. And I love the, uh, the packaging, it's amazing. So Steve is here for the rest of the weekend. He's on this booth, which is S425, and um, he's signing autographs, he's doing other bits and pieces. So if you want to catch up with Steve, he will be absolutely delighted to, uh, to meet you, talk to you, sign your books, etc., etc. Huge thanks to Steve coming on as always on the uh, collector's cast so big thank you so uh, when we as a Star Wars Action News team sat down and thought about who we wanted to bring as a guest uh, today the first and first name that came into my head was this man to my left hand side Jake I am I know I said I'm probably Akbar's biggest fan but I'm also possibly this man's biggest fan as well my collection room is absolutely littered with his work um, if you've not seen his stuff before it is awesome and uh, he's the illustrator behind the how to speak droid with R2D2 this is my own personal copy which he's going to be autographing for me later I hope and uh, you can see the, the Wookiee book there um, so it was a, a no-brainer really to, to ask uh, Jake along today so, J Jake, uh, I know you're doing some sessions uh, this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's right. So we're doing... Do you know what? I'm not actually sure what time it is. <laughs> it's, I think... <clears throat> three-ish, I think. It's, I think three o'clock today or two o'clock. So it's, it's three o'clock today in the family area. I do a thing called How to Draw Wookiee. It's builders How to Draw Wookiee and Droid this time. But basically, they started small. They were like kids... How to Draw Star Wars workshops for kids. But they've sort of got bigger... I keep going to really posh literature festivals, keep being invited to like Shrewsbury and Bath. And that's, that's a different sort of set of crowd, you know. Um, so we've ended up doing them in sort of theatres for a capacity of like 150 people. And it's, they've sort of turned into a bit of a kind of pantomime now. The kids come up on stage, they're really fun. Um, if, you're, if you're serious about drawing, there's a little bit for you, but mainly it's, 
it's you know showing kids how to draw Star Wars and getting them excited. But I think R two D two is coming down to him. Right, nice. He texted Ooh. me. He doesn't always, you know. He says he's coming. He blows you out. But I think we've got R two, a proper R two unit, helping me out. Um, and then I'm doing signings for the books at Chronicles, Abrams and Chronicles booth, which is in this room, in the far corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm floating around there, sort of signing books. And if you if you buy one, especially for a child, I draw you as a Wookiee in the Wookiee book. I draw you as a droid in the droid book. Give you a droid name. But you always get a couple of guys with male pattern baldness who want to get drawn as a wiki. That doesn't work as well. It's kind of hard to... Little kids, it kind of works. And most kids have hair. So that kind of... That works all right. So, so what's the... I mean, I'm terrible at drawing. Really shocking. What's the, the easiest Star Wars character to draw if you were going to sit me down and, and take me through it? Well, in the workshops, I start with... I start with a Death Star because anybody can draw a Death Star. It's... Um, but a Jawa. Jawa's pretty easy. It's like an intergalactic hoodie, um, but it has no face. So Jawa's—it's it's a set of triangles and a black kind of hole with some dots. So I could I could I could get you up to Jawa level within half an hour, I think. And uh, who's your favourite character to draw out of the sort of pantheon of Star Wars characters? I think my favourite design is a stormtrooper, but a stormtrooper's tricky to draw. You get the face wrong, especially the way I draw, which is quite cartoony. You, they can look a little bit fat or a little bit too depressed, so it's kind of hard to get it exactly right. I like drawing. I like drawing Wookies. Obviously, I've got. I can kind of do that a lot. Han Solo, I really like drawing. If you, if you can kind of capture in a cartoon something that sort of captures Harrison Ford's screen charisma, mm. and it, that sounds like a lofty aim for a cartoon. But sometimes I get a Harrison Ford drawing, and I'm like, that, that. I've got that. You know, that's. That's, I think that's my favourite. If I can get a good hand solo, that's my favourite thing to draw. Oh, and what about the First Order Stormtrooper? Have you done that yet? Not officially. Okay. Oh, well, no, I have nothing that's come out yet. Okay. That way. Okay. Uh, okay. Little sneak preview there, I think. Uh, no, I think that's a brilliant design. I mean, like, the Stormtrooper is like one of my favourite design icons. Forget Star Wars just as a, a modern design icon. I think Stormtrooper is a brilliant design. And I think the update of it, it's just enough. It's like a remix that works. Um, the, the, ch the bulky chin that it always feels like I need to put a little bit of black there do you know yeah, what I mean but agreed, it's agreed. like I forgot a bit the goatee beard um, so I've, 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 I've drawn nothing's come out printed with with anything on yet um, but they're, they're fun to draw they're almost a little bit easier to draw yeah yeah. yeah. and you only need you only need one pen which yeah. is black so that's it's cheaper to draw <laughs> Now, one of the, the pride and joys of my collections, I mean, I, lo I love your books, but um, you. I have the three Celebration prints that you've done previously. You started at Celebration Europe in 2007, am I correct, with the first one? The, the first one actually was in LA, which was 2007. So the 30th anniversary of Star Wars, that was Celebration 4. Yep. Yes. And that was quickly followed by the first Celebration Europe. So that, the New Hope print, yeah. there's two runs of that. There was the American one and then the... And then the Empire was at C5. Empire was C5. Which we, where, where did we meet? Was it yeah, yeah, yeah. C5. C5. Yeah. And then um, the Return of the Jedi print came in Essen, that was uh, Essen. the second celebration yeah. in Europe. Uh, and they're a stunning set of prints if you can get Thank your you hands squire. on them now. But um, my, if you can get your hands on them, you're lucky because most of them are sold out. But I have got some. I have got a couple of uh, Jedi. I've got the Jedi ones. I think I've got one Star Wars Japan. There's, I've got a little envelope and I've got one signed by, signed by Dave Prowse. There's a couple of little specials if, anybody collect, if anybody's a collector. 
Um, so, so if you were asked to do an, another, I mean, it makes a superb trilogy. If you were asked to do another trilogy, what would you go? Would you go prequel? Or would you start down the path of the new films? It would be Force Awakens Episode 8 and Episode 9. If, nice. I don't know what those films are going to be like. Um, I got really invested in The Force Awakens. I thought Ray and Finn were brilliant. I didn't expect the new characters to grab me. And I think whatever their story is, I think the designs are great. I'd, I'd kind of like to do you know, posters for that stuff. The prequels? Um, I'm being diplomatic about the prequels. So... Um, I, it's, I've never thought I, I rough out little designs for myself sometimes thinking cool if Lucasfilm went for this one I've never really bothered with Phantom Menace Revenge of the Sith I did a little doodle for I think it, for me it's going forward it would be like you know Rogue One all that kind of stuff I think they'd be cool posters to do yeah shall we bring on another guest yeah let's do it so um, uh, here from Nordic region is my good friend Kevin Lille so come up Kevin So Kevin is a Lucasfilm designer as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Kevin. Uh, my name is Kevin Lyle. I'm, a, I'm an artist. I, uh, I work for Tops as well, but uh, my, my full-time job is uh, I design jewelry. Uh, we do uh, licensed jewelry, obviously, for Lucasfilm. We have a booth, um, N427, in the next room. And uh, we did some special lapel pins for the convention. So for those of you collectors, we did 1,138 of a TIE fighter and 1,138 uh, of an ADAT driver. And we've about, gone about halfway through. So if you guys are interested in getting one, I'd uh, head on over to our booth. But I also brought some stuff from D23 to give to your audience. I had no idea it was going to be this many people, but I brought 10 of them, 10 of our exclusive pins. We also made 1,000 of these. We only got a couple of left. I don't know how you want to give them out. Find the guys with the coolest shirts or uh, the front row. Yeah, go on. No, go on. You choose. You choose. I don't know. How do we do it? Coolest shirts. Coolest shirts. Coolest shirts. Here's a cool shirt. But uh, I'll just, just throw them out. <laughs> is, that, is that cool? That's cool. All right, yeah, everybody. We don't I'll accept any responsibility for eyes that have been... Uh, two kids there. There's two kids. Little girl. Little girl. You can come get one. Did you guys... Oh, I'm sorry. But you know what? Come by my booth. I'll hook you guys up. Come by my booth. I'll hook you guys up. Over here. I got two more left. We, we've really put you through it. We're throwing things at you. You've had a Millennium so, Falcon hover over you. I, I can't compete with Propel, what they do, so I have to give stuff away to me. Shall I, shall I start throwing books at them? <laughs> no, but your stuff is really, really cool. So tell us what you're currently working on now, if you can. Um, well, Rogue One stuff, uh, which uh, the, the, the company's got, uh, we'll have a whole new line of Rogue One items that we can't show anything until September 30th. September 30th, which is, which is going to be the anniversary of Force Friday from last year. Are they calling it Force Friday this year? It's probably going to be a fourth month. Fourth month. Uh, Something like that. Are you guys all excited for Rogue One? Oh, it's going to be awesome. Dude. I'm so Who went to the Rogue One panel? That was great. When Krennic came out, did you, did you see that? Oh, that was awesome. It's very, very cool. Uh, and you've done some other cool designs. One of your most famous is the Guinness t-shirt. Do you want to explain that? Oh, my, my Alec Guinness, Guinness beer t-shirt? Yeah, that's uh, actually, actually available also in my uh, booth. Everyone's seen that? That's your design, because that is an awesome T-shirt. Yeah, I was, I was wearing it yesterday, and I will have it. I'll be wearing it again tomorrow, and I want you all to know I brought two shirts, so I'm not wearing the same shirt over again. <laughs> I see that T-shirt and immediately feel thirsty. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've been out of art school for about 10 years, and it's my most famous piece of art, I think. I haven't seen this. Why, why do I not know about this? My well, sir, you can go to booth N427, right next to the TIE Fighter in the next hall, and you can get one. I can find you. 
Or you can trade a book for I'll, I'll trade your Wookiee book for it. I'll have to talk to the publishers, but we can definitely trade something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, great. Make it happen. Make it happen. Awesome. So, um, what do you think? Because is this your first time at Celebration Europe, as it were? Did you come to Germany? Uh, uh, no, this is my third time to Celebration Europe. This okay. is this is like my seventh celebration. Okay. Yeah, I go, I go every year. <laughs> Apparently, I'm popular. Okay. <laughs> and how does this compare to some of the ones back home? Um. I love them all. I, I, I don't really, uh, I, I can't really uh, compare them. They're all just as fun. Do you, do you guys know DJ Elliot, who runs the main stage and stuff like that? Once, he says like the best thing, he has the best little commercial about, uh, about celebration. He says there's nowhere else in the world you can go where every person you meet has, a, has a, a very important connection to you. I mean, every single one of you in the audience, probably you and I can talk for three hours about Lobot or Greedo, and it's just, it's just that's what's really cool about celebration. It's, it's the people, and of course, buying really cool stuff. So if you want to see a preview of some of Kevin's new designs, Kevin doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to put him on the spot. They'll be in the next issue of Star Wars Insider 169 in Incoming, because I've been trying to get Kevin to give me new product for Insider for ages, and he's promised me this weekend that we will get them in for, for that issue. So um, look forward to that. So big thanks to Kevin for coming by. Really appreciate it. So for the, uh, the the second guest that uh, I've organised to be with us today here for Star Wars Action News, if I can call him up now, um, again, it was a, a no-brainer for me. Um, conventions aren't all about these these massive conventions like Celebration. Sometimes they're about more uh, smaller conventions, more regional conventions. And who I'm bringing up to the stage now is, uh, I like to call him Sir Neil Livesey. Um, and he is the organiser of the Star Wars Fan Fun Day, which is a con that's held in Burnley in the northwest of uh, England. Um, and, and it's a con that I've attended perhaps the last five or, or six years. And it, if you remember nothing else from the, the podcast today, then I want you to remember this con and I want you to get yourself there at some point in the future because it is truly the, the best sort of regional convention that occurs in the UK. Not only that, it, it is an awesome, awesome charity event that raises an absolute fortune. And Lucasfilm don't let very many people, apart from Reed, put on conventions and things like this. They make an exception for this guy because he's absolutely awesome. So I want you to put your hands together for Neil. Thank you very much. So the thing that constantly runs through my mind whenever I turn up to uh, uh, Turf Moor, which is uh, uh, the hallowed ho home of Burnley Football Club, is what, what sort of craziness made you want to start your own convention? Um, it, it all started with the first celebration Europe, London. I came down, I had an absolute blast, and I thought to myself, well, there is nothing like this in the north of England, and uh, I need to do something like this. I knew I couldn't do anything as big or as bold as Celebration, but I could do something. Uh, and our first event was at a little place called Clayton Conference Centre. Um, looking back, it was absolutely rubbish, but it was the start of something. And uh, we got 500 people through the door. We had just one guest, Kenny Baker. Um, but we thought we'll try another one. We, we moved to Burnley Football Club. We doubled the number of attendees. And um, we've just carried on ever since. 
And it's just got such a, a great family feel, the, the con. It really has got this sort of little homely feel to it. Um, is, there, is there anything that's, that's the reason behind that success? Is there a winning formula that you've grown over the years? Well, I don't know if it's a winning formula, but it's the only formula that I know. I'm a great family man. Family comes before anything to me, even Star Wars. Um, and when we first started, there was just the family helping me organise it. Um, I mean, the Star Wars Fan Fun Day is a much, much bigger event now and take, needs a lot of people to, to organise it. And uh, Paul's in the audience here. Who I just simply wouldn't be able to run the event without Paul Dunn. Um, and, there, and there are others uh, that are not here. But we, we wanted to get this family feel right from the off. Uh, and so we tried to reach out to all the aspects of fandom. So we could try and get some good guests for the autograph collectors. We tried to get some good stalls for the memorabilia collectors. But equally, and I think one of the successes of the Star Wars Fan Fun Day, is that we look after the costumers. So the 99th Garrison, uh, the Rebel Legion, the 501st, um, they, they all come along and for me or for the kids they are Star Wars if you, if you look at a, a if you say to a five year old child and point at you know I don't know Jeremy Bullock and say that's Boba Fett he'll go no it isn't but if you point at the guy costuming Boba Fett and say that's Boba Fett to that five year old child that is Boba Fett and, and we've worked really hard to try and keep that family feel so you kind of just answered my question I was going to ask of what all is involved since I've never been to Fan Fun Days, but how do you, as, as someone that's not in the convention circuit, how do you go about getting, say, the actors that are in Star Wars to come out to your convention? Um, it was quite difficult at first. We, as I said, the first guest at the first show was Kenny Baker, and he lives quite close to where I live, so that was quite easy to get Kenny. The next show was, was very difficult. We had four guests and uh, we just really had to pester other convention organizers for, for convention details uh, for actors details i beg your pardon um, but then once they've been to the star wars fan fun day we we look after the guests we really look after them make sure they get a nice hotel they get a nice meal uh, which has evolved into something else which i may have time to talk about um, but once they then go back to the convention circuit and talk to each other they say, I've been to one in Burnley, it's a really good event. If you get an invite, you should take it up. And now, um, we actually turn down more actors than we have at the show because they all want to come and do it. So, looking towards the future then, um, what, what's the future of the Fan Fun Day? Uh, uh, what are the plans going forward with it? He's not giving up, even though he says it every year. <laughs> Always in motion, the future is. Um, I, yes, you're right. I have said for a, a couple of years now, 10 and out for me. And uh, next year is our 10th anniversary. And it's going to be, the, for one year only, it's going to be the Star Wars Fan Weekend. It's going to be a weekend event. Um, the answer to your question is, I don't know. This time last year, I would have definitely slammed my hand on the table and said, I am giving up after 10. But when you keep getting battered by this guy, you are not giving up, you are not giving up, you are not giving up. I probably won't give up. Please, please don't. It's such a great day.
Um, so th- thanks for coming today, Neil. means a lot for you to turn out for us and uh, appear on the show. No, thanks Thanks for asking me. I've also got some giveaways, but I don't think we should throw these out because they're no. no, no. So I'm going to let you choose how to, how to deal with those. Cheers, thanks a lot. Cheers, Thank Neil. You. Thank you very much. Round of applause for Neil. If you haven't been, it's over the. It's, it's normally over the May the fourth weekend or period. So uh, put that in your diaries. I know there's lots and lots of stuff going on those weekends at Legoland and other places, but give this a shot. It's really, really good. Um, it's a great day out. It's fantastic, uh, and you should go. You should really, really go. It's a, and as I said before, all the money goes to charity. So awesome. Um, brilliant. Um, I just want to mention, you, you might see a, a little First Order Trooper uh, book being passed around. We're actually uh, running a competition today uh, as Star Wars Action News. Uh, one of our staff members, a, a guy called Justin, has, uh, and you might have seen him because they sort of went viral, he, de- he redesigned the, uh, the Hasbro card backs and um, they are absolutely stunning pieces of work. Um, so what we're giving away over the weekend is this uh, custom-carded First Order Trooper. And all you need to do is find the book that will be wazzing around somewhere. And it, I want you to write something in the book. And then once, once we've done that, we're going to choose one person to, uh, to, to win that prize. Cool. So uh, before we wrap up, what, what have you guys seen at the show that you've bought or that you've really, really liked? I kind of want to get hold of... Do you know Malcolm Tween? He's the other UK Lucas from Absolutely artist. awesome. He's always... Touch of class. He's done a brilliant ray print. You should go and get one for this sellout. But he did the Royal Mail stamps. So we've travelled the world together at celebrations. I just want to get the sort of limited edition stamp book and force Malcolm to draw a jower on it because <clears throat> he does his stuff digitally. So he really hates having to draw with a pencil. So that's... That's my little collectible. That's the thing I've got, you know. But he is drawing, albeit... I I know it's digitally, but... But no, people ask him to draw with a pencil, and he's always like... So, yeah, I'm going to force him to do it. He can draw with a pencil. We'll go and beat him up and get get him Um, to... Well, I haven't really bought anything yet. I've been trying to be good so far. I I, I dropped around about £580 in the store. Ouch. I've not even been in. It's sort of like... Yeah, don't. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe uh, most people are trying to go for the Hasbro six-inch Kylo Ren, the exclusive that's yep. here, as well as uh, or, uh, San Diego Comic-Con next week. Did pick up those. It seems like I'm almost shopping for people other than myself at this con. Uh, all the stuff I'm buying to kind of take back with me for other people. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm gotten into patch trading a lot and meeting a lot of people that way. Cool. Um, I probably the, the, the biggest thing I've bought isn't very big at all really um, the, the, the wife, the lovely Suzanne sat down here at the front, is a massive Ewok collector um, and the Toink Toys booth are doing a, a little basket of plush Ewoks, it's only 30 quid but it really is a, a special little item so uh, that's probably the, the most expensive thing I've picked up well, Okay. I mean there is some great stuff and for those of you not going to San Diego and want the Obi-Wan Kenobi six inch exclusive if you go over to um, one of the stands and I see the A1 comics you can pre-order sorry A1, yeah, A1 toys. toys A1 toys you can actually pre-order it for delivery in the UK I think it's £44.99 but then you'll get 
the Hasbro San Diego Comic Con exclusive in the UK. And that's the first time ever that Hasbro have done that. So that's pretty cool for us. Yeah, and they have it on display. You can actually see it in person. And it's a really nice figure as well. It, for me, it slightly tops the Kylo Ren. Yeah, no, it does because you've got the holographic layer and it all lights up. It looks really, really cool. It's really cool. So uh, I believe you've got some bits to give away as well, James. I do. I mean, um, I've probably got enough Lego sets. If any, who likes Lego? Yes, yeah, so I've probably got enough Lego poly bags for everyone. If anyone's Very interested, cool. maybe some top stickers. Yeah. So we'll do that. We'll do that at the end, and we'll we'll give those out. And we need to sort these give these mugs out as well. Yeah. Well, I, what should we go? Should we go if you're under sixteen? Yeah. Let's do that. You're under sixteen, come and claim a mug. So. Come on out over here, and we will uh, we'll give you a mug. I think there's four of you, which is pretty cool. Just say thank you to Neil. Yeah. Check this guy's ID. I'm not sure he's. Say say a big thanks to Neil for those. Hello. So where can we hear more about Star Wars Action News? Where do people go to find out? Uh, well, uh, we'll have, of, of course, some Celebration Europe coverage. We did some recording yesterday. That will be out very soon on the website, which is swactionnews.com. Uh, and, of course, this, this uh, show will go out on the feed and the Jedi News feed as well, I imagine. Yep, certainly will. And you can catch all the Jedi News Network shows on iTunes, Libsyn, and all those normal things. And uh, also go to jedinews.co.uk for all the latest Star Wars news. Lovely, and my book's come back. If anyone's not entered our contest and wants to write in my book, do so. So a big, big thank you for all of you to turning up today on the One Full Stage. Uh, it's been really, really great uh, to, to have you listen to us. If you want to come up, we'll make sure that you get some Lego and some top stickers and stuff. Uh, big, big thanks for doing this together. Um, I actually hosted a Star Wars Action News show as an April 1st joke in 2012. Um, uh, with Dan Curto and that was absolute fun and I'm great friends with Arnie and Marjorie so uh, this is a, a real pleasure to do this with you so. I, I remember the show well and uh, likewise the, the pleasure is all ours to be honest it's been fantastic hosting a show with you James brilliant do, do, you, know what, do you know what I like it's like it's probably the most northern section of the celebration like, where are you from Bolton or no Blackpool Blackpool Manchester Hull Hull uh, yeah, that's south of the Watford Gap. This is London calling. <laughs> Can I quickly tell everybody my schedule now? I've found it instead yeah, of just going, I'm sort of floating around like an idiot. Um, so if you want to come and see um, How to Draw Wookiee, which is a lot of fun. I think we're going to have R2-D2 there helping me out. That's in the family area. So that's today at 3 o'clock till 4. And then I'm in the Chronicle stand signing books and posters if you want any of those. And then tomorrow it's family room... How to speak Wookiee at four o'clock. No, three o'clock tomorrow. Four o'clock on a boat. So just basically afternoons is where you'll find it. But the how to speak, how to draw Wookiee is usually he, a lot of fun. He draws a lot better than he organises himself, I, t yeah. I tell you. So a big, big thank oh. you to all of our guests. To Jake. Thank you. To Neil Livesey. To Kevin Lille. To Stephen Sandsweets. And the guys at Propel as well. And also a big shout out to Martin Walter, who's organizing the stage from behind the scenes. See you all soon. Thank you very much. It's a wrap. Greetings. This is Steve, the Ginger Prince. And I'm currently sat in the food court on the last day of Star Wars Celebration Europe. And I'm joined here by... 
Dan. And Daryl. So, as I said, this is the last day of Star Wars Celebration Europe, a fantastic convention it's been. Um, but I think the last time we spoke to you, we were in, in a hotel recording our, our first day thoughts on Friday. And straight after that, we were uh, accosted by some uh, drunk gentlemen from Birmingham who wanted to tell us their life story. But we, we survived that experience. And then um, on Saturday, day two of the convention, we started with, of course, something that was uh, incredibly exciting for us. The, the live podcast that we did with the collector's cast on the One Force stage. So... Daryl, I'll pass over to you. What what were your sort of feelings about that live podcast? First of all, I'd just like to thank everyone that came out to that live podcast. Uh, it was truly an honor for everyone to show their support to us, and we really do appreciate it. Uh, I thought Steve mainly handled the uh, programming for us, so a big thanks to him as well, lining up the guests uh, and James from the Collector's Cast. Uh, I can now officially say I have hosted a panel with Steve Sansweet as a guest. So, you know, that's another notch up there that, that just, uh, you know, kind of makes me bright-hearted inside. So, um, had a great time once again thanks for everyone coming out we had some giveaways had uh, lots of fans there uh, it's great to see you all i'll echo everything uh, daryl said there it was a, a truly awesome experience a much bigger crowd than we'd expected considering the the small seating area that was provided for us but there were people sort of stood up and lined around the back it was a, a fantastic turnout so yeah thank you if you, you turned up to watch i'd like to say a particular vote of thanks to our two guests i know daryl just mentioned steve sonsweet but big thanks to uh, jake jake detonator as he is on twitter what an awesome uh, guest he is always uh, entertaining to listen to and a, a big thank you as well to Neil Livesey, the founder and organiser of the Star Wars Fan Fun Day. Lovely to hear his thoughts on on the Fan Fun Day and where it might be going in the the future. Uh, Very generous of both of those gentlemen to to give us their time. So yeah, that's how we started day two. And from then, we then went to a panel on the celebration stage. In fact, it's the only panel that I've seen on the celebration stage. And this one was called uh, Creatures, Aliens and Droids of the Force Awakens. And it was presented by the the lead of the... Uh, prop stroke special effects department and he basically brought with him one of uh, each of the smaller departments within that massive umbrella so you had the the head of sculpting the the head of uh, animatronics the head of hair would you believe it they actually have a department for for hair in fact the woman who presented that little segment was actually the the woman she was called maria uh, and she was the woman who was responsible for basically the chewbacca costume and hand stitching every single bit of yak hair that that made up the costume so there were about 10 of these different heads of department and they basically talked about their their different roles and they did it in sequence it was really interesting to see how one department then led into the next and led into the next once they'd done that the panel panel was hosted by Warwick Davies they then brought out some actual animatronic models from The Force Awakens Daryl can you remember what models they brought out no unfortunately I had to leave the panel early uh, to go and work on the collector stage so I only saw the very first one that they uncovered which was the little head that pops out of the sand as BB-8 rolls off at the beginning of The Force Awakens there was definitely that creature there was also a, a, one of the rebel pilots or one of the reb- the guy in the rebel briefing room he looked a little bit like a boffin I thought or he, he is what I imagine a boffin to look like he's not a boffin but yeah it, it, that was an amazing uh, animatronic what really surprised me is how wet and sweaty the animatronics actually looked it's almost like they'd sprinkled them with water or gel or something before they came out and they sort of set them going on a cycle 
and they just keep going. They don't, you know, they don't have to be there. There's no one controlling them. They're just sort of on a computer program cycle. The big highlight of that, though, so this Daryl missed this unfortunately, was right at the end. They brought out a character from Rogue One, and it's a character we saw in the exclusive footage that was revealed during the Rogue One panel on the Saturday. It's a character they're calling Space Monkey. If you've seen that footage, he does look indeed look like a monkey, and he was sat behind some sort of big chain gun, firing off lots and lots of bullets out of what might be a helicopter. And this is played by an an actual person. There was a guy in the suit, roughly six foot tall, but then he's wearing an animatronic head of of the space monkey. So he came out and paraded around a bit, and that was all rather impressive. So once we'd done that panel, uh, we then headed off to the uh, collecting track, and we saw an excellent presentation. Daryl, what was that on? If you've ever heard Arnie talk about one of his holy grails that he finally got, the miniature Death Star pencil sharpener by Helix, uh, it was a panel dealing with all the Helix paper products and stationary products that they put out basically from 77 to about 83 during the original trilogy time. Some fabulous product that they had there. One of my favorite pieces was the double-decker school bus, they called it, or double-decker or pencil holder. And that's something that I kind of want to look for now and, and all these conventions and seeing these foreign items. Uh, and it was uh, definitely topped off when they gave us a nice giveaway at the end of it, a uh, an actual pencil. It's not a vintage pencil but they had custom pencils made on these little card backs and so you got an extra little freebie for attending the panel it truly was an awesome panel and it, it's quite difficult imagining getting excited about stationery but honestly by the end of it I, I was really juiced by that panel i think it's rather a, a uniquely british thing um of course the, the daryl's right most of all they talked about the stationery company helix Um, Actually, the company, we were told, who uh, patented the drawing compass. They were the the company who first designed and patented that. But in the 70s and 80s, every kid who went to school in the UK, everyone had one of these Helix pencil cases and sets. And if it wasn't Star Wars, then it it was some other licensee. But yeah, I I sat there actually saying, yes, I had that pencil case. Yes, I had that that ruler, that blue ruler with the the stormtroopers firing on. There were at least four or five items that I fondly remember owning. I don't have them now. Now, there were three people presenting the panel. One of them is our, our good friend Craig Spivey, um, a guy who's actually just designed the patch that I've been giving away at the uh, the convention. And we've had the good fortune of actually going to Craig's house and, and he invited us down there. And, and we've had a look at all of his collection in person and it truly is an amazing collection. So he, he does know what, what he's talking about. And he, he actually talked to us in the um, the panel about the, the fact that he'd got in touch with Helix or uh, MapEd as they're now known, that they were bought out by a French company. And he got in touch with them and, and through a liaison with them and a gallery, uh, a museum in, in Coventry, they actually took his whole collection from his home and put it in a in a museum where the public could go and visit for free. And that was uh, quite interesting to hear about as well. In, in fact, um, Gareth Edwards, the director of Rogue One, had actually got in touch with them um, because he's from the same town that that exhibition was, was put in. And it actually, his mum turned up and, and visited and, and wrote in the logbook. So, so Craig's really excited about that. The panel was called That's No Moon, That's a Pencil Sharpener and, and the free giveaway, the pencil that Daryl's describing has, has got that lettered down the side and, and the date of the panel and the names of the presenters and it's, it's on a card back that's a, a similar design to the, the old-fashioned Helix uh, sets. That was designed by one of the three people who presented the panel, who's actually a, a licensed Star Wars artist. And what he'd done is he'd gone back and looked at all of the old Helix stuff and he'd redesigned uh, a lot of the pencil cases to include some of the characters that 
weren't in the original runs. Surprisingly, this was done heavily for the Star Wars license, but it wasn't actually done for Empire Strikes Back. Anyway, enter stage right. We have one of the, the stars of this convention, and um, um, a man who, whose podcast we were, we're about to talk about in about five or ten minutes when we got to it chronologically. This is uh, Steel Saunders, presenter of the Steel Wars podcast. Nice to have you here, Steel. It's lovely to be had. I'm a huge fan of uh, Star Wars Action News and your reports. Yeah, I love the trips that you, you guys go on. It's awesome. But I'm mainly here. I want one of those cards. I've tracked you down in celebration to get one of those old school card backs. It's so dope. You are, in fact, the first person to find me. So you, yes! you, you are going to win a mini set of card backs. That the, these, the card backs that Steele's been lusting after. He actually tweeted me before and he said, uh, can I have a, a Ray card back? And I said, oh, Steele, this isn't how the force works. You can't just request. You have to actually come and find me. But not a scheduled guest. He's here for swag. I tell you what, I'll talk about Steele's podcast. In fact, we'll chat about Steele's podcast and Suzanne will get uh, Steele's swag. So, Steele, tell us about which guest you had on your podcast for the people uh, we had details who plays Kratten in this uh, in The Force Awakens he's in Maz's castle with his twin brother um, Prashi and they're gambling and Prashi loses the hand or whatever the game is and um, D is like a massive really passionate Star Wars fan that got the job of a lifetime and the podcast it was our 100th podcast it'll, it'll probably be up the same time this, you, you, you guys are and the passion that he spoke about walking getting to walk up the Millennium Falcon like he was almost in tears and I think everyone in the audience like had their jaws agape and yeah he like lived the dream for us pretty much do you know what I mean like he took he took advantage of it and enjoyed it yeah so it was super cool to have him on he was he was great what what amazed me about D is that for a guy who basically was in a suit for a guy who was in a suit he's got a hell of a lot to say you know he's he's someone who should have a talking part in something in the future because the guy's just full of beans isn't he yeah and he's just this giant grin like the character he plays his head's got a giant grin and then you take it off and it's got the same grin it's crazy but yeah he was awesome so i'm just gonna let steel open this set of mini mini card yeah these are so cool this is like like this would have had me buying the figures if they were done like this oh my god that's so cool nice great work what was the guy's name that made these uh, this is one of our staffers. He's a, he's a lad called Justin. Um, hails for, from the US. Yeah, that's amazing. I, when you guys shared it, I like retweeted it. It's like really vintagey but fresh at the same. Like it's not just a straight bite of vintage. And yeah, I don't know. Like the Hasbro ones, the ones now, like with the like the like the sort of WWF like style painting and that. It just I don't know. I love the photo from the thing and and on the back the figures. Like, I don't want to know how to put the backpack and attach the thing from the other figure. I just want to see the other figures. Like, that's what you looked at when you were a little kid. You just stared at them. Brings it all back, doesn't it? It brings the yeah. original line back. Those, um, those, th- those packings are truly awful. Surely you must agree with me on that. I do. I, um, I don't... Yeah, I wouldn't say truly awful. I'd, 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 I'd turn the podcast a bit explicit. So uh, <laughs> we'll stick with truly awful. Lovely to have you on Steel. Cheers, it's lovely to meet you as well. I love your work. So after the excitement of uh, the Steel Wars podcast, the Steel Wars Live podcast, we then headed over to the Rogue One display, the Rogue One props and costumes. I think it's called a Rogue One story. Yeah, they've got some of the props and costumes from Rogue One displayed. I'll let Suzanne have her thoughts about this. I thought the costumes were good. I think, is it the character she's called Jin? I think she definitely has a look of Leia on Endor. The Stormtroopers, they look like Stormtroopers. Um, but overall, I think they were 
quite quite good looking costumes. Yeah, the if you attended the uh, Force Awakens display that they had in Anaheim, you could kind of get right up to to the outfits as they were there in a glass case. These the stormtrooper armors and the death troopers armors were set back about ten foot away or so, maybe maybe a little closer, maybe five foot, but they're kind of open with no glass casing around them, so you have to kind of stay away further from them and kind of keeping in that same theme all the other costumes are in glass cases but there's the same distance away you can't truly get that close to them they do also have some ships some models uh the death star is there it's a lot smaller than the first death star model that gus has in his collection they also had the strike fighter um and what is the general's name general or they had director Krennic ship on display as well as a some sort of ADAT, but it was a cargo transport more than a troop transport, it seemed. And it had like an ATCT or some sort of designation like that. So you could get up close to those, uh, took some decent photos, didn't really reveal too much in their outfits or anything, kind of like the Force Awakens ones did last year. But it was an overall good display, fairly easy to get into that line and, and work your way through the system. I, I really enjoyed this uh, display. Having not been to Anaheim and seen the Force Awakens uh, props, this was uh, new to me. I've not I've not been around anything like this. And although Daryl said some of them were in the glass cases, some of them weren't. So you, you could get up really close and personal. It was it was look but don't touch. Um, but yeah, there were some fantastic outfits. I really like the look of Director Krennic's outfit, the white cape and the the old white tunic that harks back to the that one white Death Star officer. Do you remember in in A New Hope? They're all in grey, and then there's that one dude in the white who stands out. He does hark back to that. Um, there were a lot of information, a lot of little bits of information on the the cards that went with the props that gave us little snips of information that we weren't familiar with. So, for example, Director Krennic's first name is Orson, and I can only think that that's after Orson. Wells that, that he's named so lots of little bits like that that were were quite interesting my favorite vehicle was definitely the the strike fighter uh, Daryl was mentioning a really unique design on on the tie fighter really almost like the wings have been taken a, to, to a 90 degree angle from what they normally are and I think the card for those said that they patrol up and down the shore of the beach planet and I know some of the troopers are called shore troopers as well so obviously this beach thing is is going to be a big thing my favorite though I think has to be the death troopers uh, they are they are a sort of cool charcoal gray but it's like a not totally glossy not like you think the, the black old stormtroopers are but it it, it it does have a bit of gloss to it it does have a bit of shine to it but it's definitely more of a charcoal grey an interesting thing I saw when I looked at that prop um, that I don't know if it many people have picked out on but they actually have Lord Vader's belt buckle uh, on this armour and it's uh, little things like that that you see when you, you go and look at these props close up and you think well why why have they got that is there, is there some sort of link to, to Vader like Suzanne was saying before as well Jin Erso from the front doesn't look uh, anything like anything really but when you go and look at it from the back and that's the beauty of these glass cases you can actually go and see a 360 of the outfit there's a, a definite look of Leia uh, on Endor that sort of rebel outfit with the helmet and, and the cape at the back we only queued about five to ten minutes for that at peak queues have been about 90 minutes to get into that exhibit but because we went towards the end of the day we were, were quite lucky there wasn't a great deal of, of queuing going on so after that we were quite tired out we, we split up for the evening because 
uh, Daryl got a, a, an offer or an opportunity that he couldn't refuse. Actually, I don't know that I necessarily got an opportunity more than I stumbled into an opportunity. The kind of close uh, pub and restaurant that we have here, close to the XL Center, been going to each night and you know having a couple of rounds of drink and maybe getting some food here or there. But, uh, we tried to eat one place and they told us they had stopped serving for the evening. So when we ventured over, there's a large crowd at the Fox at XL, it's called, and uh, didn't know what was going on. So we just kind of asked and some guys there said, yeah, just it's a private event, but go up and uh, anyone's welcome. And it was put on by EA Sports in their Knights of the Old Republic game. They were kind of having a, a big get together for fans of the game, players of the game, knew nothing about it, just kind of stumbled up on it, uh, got a couple free drink tickets. They also gave us a ticket to get a free t-shirt and a poster and uh, had a great time sitting there talking to a lot of the people. Met a nice couple from uh, Germany uh, that were cosplaying and they had kind of been beta testers and, and had played the game for a long time and they, they weren't married when they, they both played and knew each other but they, they weren't married at the time and now they are several years later. We also uh, met another couple who actually met in the game and now they're together and married and so it was kind of fun to hear those stories from all those players and uh, mentioned or I texted Steve and Suzanne and they tried to come over but uh, evidently they had given out all their tickets for the evening so they were not allowed into but uh, had a great night and uh, you can't beat free drink tickets. I'm pretty sure that the doorman had a picture of me on his band list because he was rather definite that he wasn't going to allow us in. He heard about your tales from Essen. Yes I have been very well behaved at this convention I haven't got into any standing arguments with anyone I'll have you know Daryl. We, we have tried to live this convention by by Marjorie's words of advice which are drink beer buy stuff but Daryl did a little bit more of the drinking beer than I did and uh, has been a little bit delicate this morning I won't lie to you so perhaps not the right sort of state of mind the, the slightly fuzzy head to go into our first experience on this third day of the con we were we were lucky enough Daryl was kind enough uh, to get into the con rather early this morning and acquire us fast passes to get into something that I don't think I would have done had, had Daryl not got us the pass it, it's called Star Wars Trials on Tatooine and it's promoted as a cinematic virtual reality experience and it's being put on by ILM Lab and promises immersive entertainment so this is basically a VR uh, experience and I have absolutely no experience with virtual reality at all of course I've seen the idiots putting on the goggles and, and acting things out and you know I've watched those YouTube videos but I've never actually been the guinea pig myself so we uh, queued up we actually went in with Anne and Duncan Jenkins we happened to bump into them they had tickets at the same time so Suzanne Daryl myself Anne and Duncan we all went in and we uh, undertook some trials on Tatooine so um, myself and Daryl went in as a pair Daryl the old wise head that he is sent me in first so that he could video me dancing about like a, a big girl first and then he went second and of course having watched me he was cool uh, cool as a cucumber and looked like the ultimate Jedi Daryl from your point of view talk us talk us through the, the actual VR experience and, and then your thoughts on it I thought it was a, a great 
time. I had tried a, a VR several years ago, uh, probably 20 years ago when it was first kind of becoming popular. And, it, you know, it's a little fuzzy and you don't really get the immersion that, that you were hoping for back at that time. But the systems have really upgraded and, and become a lot better, especially, you know, the crispness of the picture and everything. Kind of put on the goggles and then you also get a headset so you can hear things uh, in the game. You start out in this as a uh, kind of a Padawan. Uh, you're sent to Tatooine or you're on Tatooine and Luke is supposed to contact you. Uh, he ends up sending Han and the Millennium Falcon uh, and R2 comes rolling out and kind of gives you some actions to do and little triggers to push or whatever and you end up then getting a lightsaber and getting attacked by some stormtroopers as they come after you. Uh, it really was immersive. You could walk around. There was another gentleman in the room with us just to make sure we didn't run into walls or, or hit each other in the face with the, the wand that we had in our hand, uh, which eventually becomes your lightsaber. But it was a really great overall experience. Uh, I know the headsets are very, very expensive, but it, it is definitely something that people should check out if they have the funds to do it. It is, a, it is an amazing experience, and I believe they said the game is coming out next week um, to be released on the Steam platform or Steam itself. It was, it was made by Vive is the headset uh, that was used and it, it really was a fun time. Had a great time watching Steve kind of <laughs> jumping and, and dancing about and the greatest part was him tucking behind the barrels. I'm sure Daryl will be posting video footage of me making a complete fool of myself at some point. Uh, I'll post footage of him looking cool as a cucumber. I'll actually uh, s- second everything that Daryl said. It, it was a, I thought it was a tremendous experience. Uh, I've always been a bit wary of things like this. I, I'm Mr. Sort of play it safe. I, you know, I don't do roller coasters. I don't like things that might make me feel a little bit queasy. Um, but I'm really glad I did this. I really enjoyed the experience. I'll, I'll talk you through it. You, um, you are uh, a Jedi that, that that Luke is trying to get in contact with, and Han Solo comes in on the Millennium Falcon. So you start off. Uh, watching the Millennium Falcon come down towards your uh, your planet, which we, we think is Tatooine. And you sort of stand there on the dusty, uh, dusty ground of Tatooine, and the Millennium Falcon flies in overhead. And you honestly feel like if you're not careful, it's going to land right on top of you. So, of course, I'm crouching down trying to make sure I'm not squashed by the Falcon. The doors to the Falcon then open. You can hear t- hand talking inside. R2 rolls out, and then something drops out of the Falcon, a panel that needs fixing. So you have to hit a couple of buttons. You have to, to close that panel back up. And as you do, a, uh, an Imperial presence flies in. Some stormtroopers come, come out of the Imperial ship and start firing blaster bolts at, at you. R2 pops up Luke's lightsaber. You change your controller for Luke's lightsaber. And then you basically use your lightsaber to try and deflect the bolts back at the stormtrooper, kill them so that you can save the day. And I was absolutely useless. I kept turning my lightsaber on and off because I couldn't control it properly. Nothing to do with the game. That's just me being incompetent. And I'm sure had I actually been there, I would have been killed about 17 times. Suzanne, how did it go for you? Uh, This was something that I absolutely loved. It's true when it says you get totally immersed in it because I was kind of looking around the room constantly thinking, oh, hang on a minute. 
minute. There's somebody in this room with me. But I just, I felt like I was a Jedi and I certainly killed those stormtroopers. It was fantastic. So yeah, if you've got wads of cash, this is, is something that I would definitely recommend getting into. It's gaming beyond any level that I've been involved before. I'm not a gamer, but can you only imagine what uses this could be put to in the future, how excellent this could be for a whole variety of things. I personally would still need a friend in the room with me um, because I'm sure I would do damage to myself. I'm sure I'd be on the front of a newspaper having done some real damage to myself. Okay, so th- that was our, our last real big experience. Daryl's been working the collecting track at this con, so he's got to go back there shortly and, and fulfil a few more of his duties. We plan to hit the last collecting panel of the day so that we can pick up another medallion. The medallions that they've been giving away, of course, they've done things like Star Tots before. The medallions feature vintage vehicles on different coloured backgrounds. So far, I've got the Millennium Falcon. I've also got the Imperial Troop Transport. They are absolutely fantastic. Um, So we'll try and go at the last panel, pick up one more of those, and then we'll do the usual uh, walk round and see if we can swap any, pick any spares up, that sort of thing. So that'll be a nice end to our con. But in between, we're going to do the show floor, see if we can pick up any more bargains i experienced something strange this morning on the last day of con what do you think is going to happen to prices usually they go down i had my eye on the maz Kanata, finn ray bb8 pack because i've not seen that at all in the uk until yesterday when i saw it on a stall and i thought right i'll go back today it'll come down a little bit of price maybe i can talk him down a bit further and um, but when i got back to the stand this morning it had actually gone up in price put something up on the last day I, I just don't get it's exactly the same stand Suzanne and yeah he'd gone up by a whole five pounds so I won't be picking that up at that price uh, I might go back again and see if it's gone back down to the price it was yesterday and then see if I can talk him down further but that is something highly unusual one other thing that we've noticed is the uh, Hasbro Kylo Ren figure has not been that difficult to pick up they've actually uh, given away their tickets and you know it, it's fairly easy system to do and then about 5 30 each day they sell off uh, any extras allotments that they have for the day so i haven't heard anyone talking about having any problems of buying any of the hasbro figures here so that's been good uh, all around show i think that the organization of the show has been very good uh, people were you know dreading that the wristband give outs in the morning seem to be very smooth very well handled it's very easy to get into all the panels with those wristbands kind of a, an odd layout with the the fake walls and stuff that they have but or the fake rooms that they have by adding these temporary walls but uh, overall a good show floor uh, lots of vintage to be had kind of looked at and stuff prices were a little high as they have been all along here recently with vintage uh, a lot of t-shirt dealers to to look at but uh, a good overall experience we did get to see those ultimate edition props uh, by the can't remember the name of the studio that makes those but the the props that they have that are actual kind of duplicates from the company that makes the the standard props for the force awakens kylo ren's lightsaber the melted vader head got to see those in person they are are wonderful but they're still way too expensive for me uh, but uh, i'm trying to think steve do you have a favorite item that you saw here or a favorite thing that you did here at celebration i'm, I'm not sure i've got a favorite item i saw what i have enjoyed is, is that i have seen things at this con that i've not seen on the pegs in in the uk and i managed to pick a few of those up so for example this morning i picked up trench coat han in the articulated three and three quarter inch line uh, you know the black series three and three quarter inch and i've just not seen that on pegs at all now that was a that was a overpriced 15 pounds but that's reasonably overpriced we saw the princess leia you know the the three and three quarter inch articulated black series 
Princess Leia, you know, in the, the blue dress with the funny hairstyle from Force Awakens. That was £40 we saw someone selling that for yesterday. And I want that figure, but I'm, I'm not prepared to pay £40 for a three and three quarter inch figure. Also, today I managed to pick up some of the, um, the small helmets. And again, these are things that we've just not seen yet here in the UK. So whether someone's imported them or whether they're just beginning to show up. If you're talking about the two-pack, those are actually Hasbro ones. I am indeed. You see, Daryl is so good at correcting me and picking me up on these things. I'm so glad he's here or else I'd be regularly making a fool out of myself. Um, yeah, it is, the Hasbro, it is the Hasbro sets. And like I say, they've just not been over here. Not I've tried to find them. There, there's a couple more that I'd like to pick up in the series, but it's the Kylo Ren helmet that I really wanted out of that two-pack. So yeah, I, I've just enjoyed being able to find some things like that. We will, as I say, have another swoop this afternoon and see if there's anything else that, that we can perhaps talk some people down on, anything else we've missed on uh, on our circulating r- round the con. But yeah, it's, it's been a, a good show floor, if a little bit oddly laid out and a bit difficult to navigate at times fr- from my point of view. Daryl asked me, w- was there any highlight to the, the whole convention then? And I've sort of been racking my brains whilst I've been talking to, to try and pick out a highlight. And there's, there's been a lot of highlights. It's, it's always uh, fun a convention like this. But I, I've done very little panels. I've only, like I say, been to the one panel on the celebration stage, a couple of collecting tracks, and, and most of it has been uh, interacting with, with, with people that I've in, enjoyed doing. Um, there's lots and lots of people who I, who I know on Twitter, lots of UK-based folks, lots of people from overseas, um, and just getting a chance to meet them f- for the first time. So, for example, we got a friend who, who uh, was in the UK and has migrated and li- is living in Australia, but he's made his way back for this con. And just getting a chance to meet and spend some time with him has been a real highlight for us. Um, I, if I had to, to choose something, if you twisted my arm and forced me something, just the privilege of, of presenting a live podcast uh, on the One Force stage yesterday and getting a chance to uh, interview uh, Jake, who, who you know I'm an absolutely massive fan of. I have lots and lots of his artwork. That was a real privilege for me. And like Daryl said, sharing a stage with uh, Son Sweet and, and, and folks of that ilk is a, re- a real privilege. And I, I, I constantly thank Arnie and Marjorie for the opportunity of, of working with and for Star Wars Action News because it's presented me opportunities that I never would have had otherwise. Suzanne, your highlight of the com? I don't think I have a highlight. I, um, of course, enjoyed the live podcast that um, Stephen and Daryl did. I enjoyed the panel for the vintage stationery. I also really enjoyed the virtual reality that we've just experienced. And meeting up with old friends and also meeting up with new friends, that's been really good as well. Yeah, I, I echo both of those thoughts as well. Uh, definitely, you know, the highlight of any con anymore because we, we've been doing this long enough now that we have you know a lot of the collectibles and stuff that we want or you know we're always finding new stuff to then have to go out and buy ourselves at the next con but definitely hanging out with friends and getting to see old friends and meeting new friends and uh, you know spending time with them is good. Steve took the podcast so um, I'm trying to think because then Suzanne took the ILM X-Lab. I would have to say then just to do something different is the the Rogue One exhibit was probably the other highlight here although some of the, the cost Costuming does stand out, you know, the cosplayers and stuff, and some some really properly built uh, large-scale prop replicas that people did. There's a massive TIE fighter uh, over by the celebration stage uh, that is just wonderful to stand under and kind of see the, the scale and the scope of what a, a life-size TIE fighter would be. So that might be what I would consider my highlight. In terms of 
disappointments there was a lot of talk early on but just before this convention and even in my segment on the most recent podcast I was a a little bit wary of the queuing system that was in place the fact that we had to queue not just to get into the convention but then to get wristbands for panels and going to shoots and various light speed lanes and so on I I was uh, quite critical of beforehand but I've got got to give credit to to uh, Mary Franklin and Reed Pop this is a system that works and I've not heard anyone criticising it since we've been here. I have only heard people say, yeah, I'll take it all back. This is a system that works. You can queue up overnight if you're stupid enough to, but you don't have to. There's not been one panel that you have to queue up overnight for. You can basically rock up at a, a decent time in the morning. At six, six o'clock, seven o'clock is a time that most people might be prepared to get up and you can, you can get the wristbands you want and it's incredibly efficient. And like Daryl said with the Kylo Ren exclusive, not no problem with that either I've not heard one person making a fuss yeah some people have actually got got here at three in the morning to get one but they didn't need to and I can see this system being evaluated and used again at future conventions it's going to be folks get used to the idea and, and get used to the idea that it works yeah, I, I have one friend who really wanted to do the Rebels panel yesterday, which is kind of one of the big panels here, and he was worried about getting a wristband, and so he wanted to get there at 6, and things just didn't work out, and he actually didn't get to the con until about 8.30, uh, and they still had wristbands available. Now, in the States, you know, it might be a little more packed. The venue size does greatly have a factor in how many wristbands they can give out, but there was really no problem even with him coming in two and a half hours after they started giving out wristbands bands of getting a wristband and not having to wait so long until the con floor actually opens up. So I think the wristband system is is good. We'll see at a bigger con how well it does, but but it's a definite plus for Reed Pop. By far the bigger criticism for me uh, is the, the the content that's been put on here. I, I've not been a fan of the late information we've had here. I mean, we booked this convention over a year ago, and it's only really in the last two weeks that we've known what was going to be here, what panels were on it, etc. Et and I, yeah, I agree, there's always going to be sort of last-minute things scheduled, but some of these things they obviously knew about, and, and they've given us information at the last minute. The, the real criticism that I want to get to is that, from, from my opinion, there isn't a lot of actually Lucas film provided content a lot of what's decent here is either companies coming to sell new things new wares like the ilm lab experience the vr experience we've just done or it's uh, fan provided content you know there's a massive jedi news area with all the fan groups that's doing a roaring trade there's the podcast stage of course which is all fans putting on what they want to do there's the collecting track which is all fan generated sponsored by fans the, the fan content that the, the cosplayers the entertainment that the cosplayers give is all fan provided there's actually very little Lucasfilm content they've done a, a, a Rogue One props and costumes display, they, they've put on four main panels a day and some subsidiary panels, but it isn't a lot and there's a lot of the XL that's not been used here, they, you know, where, where are the where are the Force Awakens uh, displays and experiences the autograph hall has been bobbins, I, I, I'll be honest with you now on the last day, I have not set foot in the autograph hall, not even not even gone in there to have a look at what's going on, where are the Force Awakens guests where, where are, is perhaps the odd Rogue one guest and, and surprise coming in why aren't we getting these people in into autograph why aren't there these experiences for me it just seems like th- this has almost been a little bit of an afterthought to lucasfilm maybe they're doing too much at once with with the films going on maybe they've got their eyes on orlando and bigger experiences but 
I, I think that's the biggest criticism you can level at this convention and it's not a massive one I've enjoyed this tremendously and I'd do it again in a heartbeat but for, for me that's the, the, the biggest criticism OK I hope you've enjoyed our coverage from Star Wars Celebration Europe 2016 uh, I'd like to thank both Suzanne and Daryl for the hard work that they've put in in putting together some content for the show over the last couple of days and I'll, I'll uh, say a, a fond farewell from me Goodbye Cheers and just to let you know that video of Steve doing the VR experiences is on Facebook right now. Oh joy. Seen it, you've got to watch it. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can be on the next episode of Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted are subject to use on our show. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. You can see more videos and reviews by subscribing to the Star Wars Action News YouTube channel. You can find the link from our homepage. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star written review on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Star Wars Action News podcast video enhancement by Andrew, Daryl, and Barrett. Star Wars Action News website designed by Jason. Photo editing by Scott Graphic design by Jay. Associate produced and announcements by Brock. Segments hosted by Jerry, Jonathan, Brock, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Until next time, may the pegs be stopped and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting.